a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by a young lady called Rachel Welford from the UK. Rachel, very, very warm welcome to you. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. And uh, we spoke a little bit off air, Rachel, have we not, around, um, you know, where we're going to take this conversation. You'll get used to me using the phraseology, the terminology, dance, because what I believe conversations are of this this, uh, if I can be allowed to say, intimate nature where we share uh, for the benefit of the listener. You know, there's this kind of exchange of energy, of thoughts, of ideas. And in many respects, it's an emotional dance between us. So um, just to set the tone there. And the reason I think that's very appropriate, Rachel, your chosen title of You Are Not Your Label. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. So start start the uh, start the dance then, Rachel, by give us your, you know, one or two insights around that. I guess through Wealth and Wellbeing, I I mean, the, uh, the background of it, I guess, is in 2014, my life changed immeasurably. I had a um, quite severe breakdown. I got diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety. I didn't work for a year. So, you know, this career that I'd been beavering away at for 12 years and had kind of, you know, really reached the, the pinnacle of my career, my chosen career, I had to just um, can overnight. And it was just a really terrifying time. And from that point, I really started to look at how can I get back to normal, in inverted commas. That was my dream, you know, let's get back to normal. But unfortunately, my normal wasn't conducive with with healing my my label, if you like, my depression and my anxiety. So I went the the kind of standard route, medication and and all those um, kind of standard things that you do if you're unwell. You go to the doctor. They use the tools that they have available to them, which is generally some sort of prescription. Um, if that prescription doesn't work, they write you another prescription for the side effects of the prescription you're already taking and so on and so forth until I was on multiple different types of, of medication. And I got better to a point and then I just started feeling like I'm not getting any better. I'm, I'm not back to normal. And actually, I don't even know what normal is anymore. You know, if for anyone that's listening who's ever been in the unfortunate position of, of you know having a breakdown or losing their mind or you know losing connection with themselves it's a really terrifying position you, you don't really know who you are anymore and so I started to look into alternative methods and that's um, when I discovered these different methods that I now use things like meditation um, different tools and techniques therapies and um, 
during that, I started to realise that I'm not my label. And yes, I might have a diagnosis of, you know, clinical depression and um, anxiety disorders and I might have experienced trauma and I might have um, pretty much, pretty much certain I've got ADHD and various other labels that you can attach to yourself. I'm now, you know, a few years later running a, a quite successful company. I'm helping hundreds of thousands of different people also, you know, thrive in their lives despite their labels. And I think it's something that's really important. If you allow that label to define you, you're creating a container, if you like, of what's possible within your life. If I have depression, I'm not going to be able to do certain things or it's my anxiety that prevents me from doing X, Y, and Z. When actually, if you can reframe that and go, well, why is it that my body and my mind wants me to stay in bed all day? Why is it that I have absolutely no motivation and no joy in my life? Why is it that I get anxious in these certain situations? And you start to look at the fact that these labels can be helpful. They can help us to look at, you know, what's the body trying to tell us? What's the mind trying to tell us about our current environment that needs to be changed in order for us to to thrive despite our labels? And I think I'm living proof that that's totally possible. And I know from working with a variety of clients all over the world that it's possible for other people too. Absolutely, absolutely. I was listening intently there. I was, I was actually engrossed to the point where, oh, she stopped speaking now. I was that kind of hooked <laughs> on what you were saying because this is, um, as listeners all know, Rachel, this is something that's extremely close to my own heart around that you know being labelled from a very, very, very early age. And when we look at that, uh, two of the biggest fears that we have inherently about not being good enough and never being loved that was instilled into me um, at a very early age from well from eight eight years onwards uh, to be precise and of course when you grow up with that label and um, you know isn't it true that we kind of we take it that people in authority and, and adults um, you know especially when we're kids they know best and yeah so when they tell us something then, well, it must be true because they're an adult or they're a doctor or they're this or they're a teacher or what have you. And you kind of grow up being, believing it's true. And that just, it becomes like a dog chasing its tail, doesn't it? Round and round and round and round. And, you know, that certainly led me, Rachel, onto a um, uh, living up to the label of being miserable, antisocial, alcoholic, violent. You know, all these things I was taught, really. I learned that behaviour and uh, it carried on. And I suppose it's a bit like planting a seed at an early age. As time goes by, that seed grows, that tree gets bigger and the roots get stronger. So I totally hear you when, you know, and this is why I love the title of those five simple words. You are not your label. I, I completely agree. I think people do live up to their labels and I, I see it a lot. Like if you, you know, and this is why I think it's so important that we revise how we speak and, and treat and deal with our children because, you know, unin unintentionally, a lot of the time people, you know, and this is no judgment on parents out there. Parenting is difficult. You know, people are tired. <laughs> There's a lot of stress and things around that. But when you're saying to your child, 
don't be so silly and you're discounting how they feel about things inadvertently you know well-meaning they might grow up thinking that they're stupid mm-hmm. or they're an idiot or they're they're silly that their emotions don't count for anything that what they feel isn't real if you've got a child who you know is very anxious this plays out a lot a lot of children who have anxiety disorders actually are diagnosed as ADHD a lot of children that are anxious are misdiagnosed as being misbehaving because they're actually just for want of a better description freaking out and so they they you know in society's eyes they're playing up and they're not not behaving themselves as society would deem possible and so that child gets punished when really what they need is somebody to make them feel a bit more secure a bit more safe in their mm-hmm. environment and so i think there's a lot of misunderstanding around you know why you know human behavior as a study is is really quite new and especially any studies into the mind you know historically medical professionals have only studied the body and they've only studied the body as a mechanical machine they've never looked at you know they do a bit in the east but in the west we tend to look at you know humans as mechanical machines you know if there's a problem with your back we can look at your back if there's a problem with your head we can look at your head but there's now a lot of research to show that you know a lot of the serotonin and these kind of chemicals that people talk about that we're lacking when we have depression are actually created in the gut not in the head mm. so there's this huge mind body connection and this huge you know now newly developing science of energetics and frequency to show that you know we're energetic beings so what is it you know where is it in our lives that we're giving our energy away where is it in our lives that we're you know lacking boundaries that we're we're speaking to people in ways that are not serving us and are not serving other people and where is it where we have these labels and essentially we're just living up to the label we're not we're not trying to be anything outside of that because it's what we've always believed that we are the naughty child the funny child the fat kid the the clown the the boffin the you know the well behaved one i always have to be good everything has to be perfect i have to please people you know all these outside of these kind of medical labels that we might have around you know whether it's depression anxiety ptsd you know bipolar whatever it, it might be you know diabetes heart problems knee problems like all these things that we're grown up being told oh by the way you know breast cancer runs in your family or diabetes runs in your family or everybody in your family dies by x date from x disease we're being programmed by these labels and we subconsciously then stay within this container that's been built for us and that container is non-existent we're only contained by the beliefs that we have about the world and those can be changed and you can reprogram you can reprogram how you think i know that to be true because i've done it you know the things i used to think about myself now when i look back are absolutely horrifying you know you think how much you wouldn't want to hang out in a room with somebody if they were consistently telling you that you were fat and stupid and worthless and that people didn't love you and that nobody wanted you around you wouldn't stay in a room with a person that that spoke to you like that and essentially that's what we're doing to ourselves all day day in day out with our inner critic 
and that inner critic can be reprogrammed. Inner critic, mm, love, I love those two words, absolutely. Uh, I'm making a note of that, inner critic. So you touched on, Rachel, the um, the quantum healing, you know, the vibrational frequency aspect of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the new, dare I say, more modern age approach to things. And this is mm. a question I ask, you know, I, I can continuously get them uh, involved in this uh, kind of dance, this discussion. Um, is it simple? Is it a simple choice between love and fear? Um, yes. I often say <laughs> a lot of the things that I teach are very, very simple. Yeah. But they're not necessarily easy. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, the complexity of it comes across, right? Like I saw an interesting video recently with, um, I don't know if you know this guy called Gary V. Yeah. Yeah. So a video that I saw from him recently said that, you know, he was coming out on stage and he said, imagine we were at a health conference now. He said, you know, I could come out on stage and say, eat less food, eat a more nutritious diet, exercise more. I'm out. And that, and that would be it. And no one would ever need to go to a health conference ever again because they've got the information that they need. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that in order to have a you know a healthy body or if if that's your your um target is to lose weight for example you know that you need to eat less of certain foods and more of certain other foods and you need to move your body so that you have an offset or a deficit of 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 your calories right everybody knows that but what we would prefer is to buy i don't know some crazy gadget that promises we can do this within a week or to take some kind of tablet that promises us that within two months we'll without any behavioral change we can everything can stay the same we can stay in our comfort zone but if we take this magic pill everything's going to change and i think it's very much the same with um you know the things that we teach of course it's a very simple decision you know choose love over fear that's a very very simple decision and where would a majority of people prefer to be most people are going to prefer to be in love than they're going to prefer to be in fear, right? But making that choice day to day when you're coming up against, you know, confrontation with bosses, family members, partners, friends, you know, can be difficult because we also all have these labels and these containers that we're working within with these belief systems that we have about who we are and how we behave and how we're supposed to be treated and the expectations that we put on other people for how they're meant to make us feel as well. We're not really taking ownership and empowering ourselves to make these choices moment to moment. And most people without wanting to sound, um, you know, like I'm being, I don't know what the word is, like I'm better than anyone else. Like all this stuff is completely available to everybody, but it takes time. It takes practice. And, you know, over time you can completely start to become aware, but a lot of people aren't even aware that they have an inner critic Mm. or that they are living in a state of fear or that when they connect with other people, they're connecting through shared trauma or shared misery, you know, and that's that's what they're connecting over. Then they're, they're not aware of, and most people as well, without myself included in this, up until quite recently, 
you know, most people have never really experienced unconditional love. Mm. So we're kind of not only trying to move away from something we don't want, i.e. fear, anxiety, depression, sadness, um, apathy, you know, lethargy, like no motivation because we've got no purpose in life, but we're trying to move towards something that we have no reference point for because we've never experienced it. So that unconditional love that you refer to then, Rachel, is that from an external source or is that as a breakthrough of actually understanding, knowing and fully embracing that you are all that you need? I guess it's a bit of both because I think your relationship with yourself is going to dictate every other relationship that you have in in your life. Mm. Because if you don't value yourself... And if you think I don't deserve love and I'm not worthy and I'm disgusting, I'm not sexy, no one would ever fancy me, you know, I'm overweight, I'm not beautiful, I don't have the right job, car, house, whatever limitation you want to put on this, right? Mm. If you believe that about yourself, even if somebody else comes along and loves you so deeply and in the most beautiful way you won't be able to accept that love anyway because you can't you can't be what you can't see so even if you see it a lot right people who very simple explanation somebody giving somebody a compliment oh my god you look gorgeous today oh this old thing oh it was cheap i got it in the sale it's really really old i nearly didn't wear it today actually i just um you know, I, I I should have put something different on. Deflection. You know, these kind of things happen all the time. And that's because you can't believe what the other person is saying to you because you don't believe it to be true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you want to find unconditional love in others, you have to start with yourself. Because if you don't love, you know, and I know it's a real cheesy, isn't it? I mean, you know, to quote RuPaul... <laughs> <laughs> the great guru guru of RuPaul, you know, if, if you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? You know, it's like, it's so true. Um, and I think even if you take it away from the kind of spiritual and the woo-woo, it, it's about neurons. And if you don't have the neuroplasticity in your mind, if you're not firing the neurons that have the language for the things that you want to create in your life, how are you even going to manifest that in reality? Yeah, I love Jim Britt's take up on the, the neuropeptides where um, more or less saying what, you know, the, all these sort of touch points, these throughout our whole body. And, um, you know, it's a bit like sending a radio frequency through our body. We can either play, you know, warm, loving um, tune to ourselves that will radiate those waves through our body and make us feel warm and loving, or we can play sort of depressive, somber tunes that will, oh, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And that nicely brings us in, I think, Rachel, to this, uh, this inner critic. Tell me about mm. your sort of insights, thoughts, experiences around these two simple but immensely profound words called inner critic. I guess um, it all came back to there was one moment I remember really clearly I was still living with my parents being looked after after my um, breakdown and lots of people one of my therapists included says you shouldn't call it a breakdown you should call it a breakthrough but I just 
can't see it that way because the breakthrough happened about a year after the breakdown, you know, mm. it was like the breakdown was a breakdown. It was, you know, everything crumbled. My whole belief systems, like my physical and mental health. I didn't, didn't know anything like somebody could have told me the sky is green and grass is blue and I would have believed them. Like I literally had no reference point for anything. And, and when I was sitting in bed one day and I'd started doing some, I know we mentioned off air, um, some Louise Hay work. She was one of the first kind of teachers that I started looking at in this field. And, um, and she was talking about building awareness and this and that. And I just started meditating. And I remember having this absolute, pinnacle moment sat in my childhood bedroom at my parents house you know in my 30s where I just suddenly went I hate myself I absolutely hate myself and it was such a revelation it was really I had no idea that I had so much self-loathing I had no idea that I really hated myself and I know hate's a really strong word but there, there was no other word for it and suddenly you start to realize that's why I allow people to treat me so badly in relationships that's why I people please day in day out because I feel like I'm worth nothing and I'm scared that unless I'm constantly pleasing everybody they're going to leave me and I'm going to be alone um and you start to realize you know and that's why I would have little digs at myself in terms of either not exercising or exercising to the point of absolute exhaustion and starving myself or, you know, overeating, even though I knew that I was full, there was be all these weird little behaviors that I would have that nobody else would know about where I would dig myself out. You know, I'd have a little dig at myself um, because I, I really didn't like myself. And when I started to become aware of that, I started to hear this little voice inside my head that would, would say to me consistently all day long, you know, my key ones, I guess there was a theme. My key ones were that I was fat and unattractive and unlovable and that I was stupid and that I was, you know, an, an idiot, basically. They, they would be the key themes. It would play out with different sentences, but that would be the key theme. Stupid, idiot, fat, ugly you know, unworthy, unlovable. They would they would be the kind of key themes. And when I started to hear this little voice that was constantly on at me all day, cr critiquing everything that I did moment to moment, I realized how exhausting it was just to listen to this stuff. And that's when I started with this kind of, um, you know, started learning more about neuroplasticity and reprogramming. And I started working with, you know, affirmations and things like that. And I get frustrated because a lot of people say to me things like affirmations don't work. And there's a very good reason why affirmations don't work. And that's because people don't do them properly. So the first thing, if you want to start working with affirmations is they need to be said and written in a particular format in order for them to work. So they need to be in the present tense. I am, I have not, I am going to, I wish, um, etc. They have to be as if it's already happening or happened. Um, they have to be positive. So, for example, you know, if it was a, a positive affirmation at the moment, right, given the current climate for health, wouldn't be, I hope I don't get sick. That's not an affirmation. Um, a positive affirmation for health at the moment would be something like, 
I am healthy in my body and my mind. My body is consistently moving towards more and more health. I am a vibrant, healthy being, you know, whatever, like their positive affirmations. Um, the third thing is you have to be really persistent. So what you'll find is you'll start with something like, for example, when I was trying to work on self-love, um, I would say, I would look in the mirror and I would say to myself, I love you, Rachel Welford. I truly and deeply love you to your core. And then my inner critic would come in and say, that's a load of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Well, whether you are or whether you're not, Rachel, you have, so we'll deal with it. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's not a problem, honestly. Sorry if I've offended anyone no, with that. Okay. Um, you know, my, my inner critic would come in and say, you know, that's not true. What a load of BS, you know. Um, and then that would be that, right? That would be my affirmation for the day. And then I would spend the rest of the day critiquing myself all day, all day, in and out. And then once a day, I would look in the mirror and say, I love you. And I would, wouldn't believe it to be true. But what was a turning point for me was when I started to repeat these affirmations to myself, and I'm not exaggerating, somewhere in the region of six to 12,000 times a day. Wow. And that was when that was a huge turning point because in order for a new neuro pathway to form, you have to imprint it heavier, if you like, or, or, or you know, that, that neuro pathway needs to become stronger than the critiquing pathway. Mm. And that's how they work. It's practice, practice, practice. And whether we realize it or not, we're constantly all day practicing something. We're practicing distraction with our mobile phones and not finishing conversations, you know, watching Netflix whilst on our phone, all that kind of stuff is practicing distraction. We're not actively doing that necessarily, but we are, you know, we're subconsciously practicing and, and this is what we're doing when we've got that deeply embedded in a critic, we're practicing self-hatred. Mm. day in day out so with your and, with your affirmation then rachel do you is that the sandwich is that the uh, the filling in the sandwich that one side is the intention and then the other side is the visualization do you do it that way i just use the words personally i'll just repeat over and over and over in my head whatever it is so mm. you know um, and I, I still use them. I still use affirmations a lot. But to be honest, most of them are now just embedded into my head. I don't really actively practice affirmations. It's just when I see my reflection, I tell myself I love myself. It's a habit. Yeah. Um, when I'm walking anywhere to the tube station or between client sessions or, you know, from one event to another, if I'm in an Uber or whatever, I just repeat over and over in my head the things that I'm trying to to work on within myself because it's an ongoing ongoing practice mm. and if you don't keep up the practice you'd be surprised at how quickly the negativity can, can creep back in you know yeah. um so yeah i guess it's just a, a an ongoing practice and then separately to that i have a gratitude practice and a visualization practice but i do those three things personally i do those three things separately mm. Yeah, I mean, I think this uh, with all all these different approaches. I mean, I think there's certainly a commonality. Certainly, the, the approach that I adopt uh, is the intention, the affirmation, and the visualization. Um, but yeah. like, you know, and obviously separately the gratitude. I mean, you know, the main thing is I think that um, we're going through that, creating those pathways, and and challenging that inner critic. And I think one of the key things, Rachel, that I've learned over the years is that ability. Um, to ca actually witness 
what's going off. Um, and I say that ability, I don't mean to say I've got, uh, you know, something that somebody else hasn't got. Um, but it's as a result of that sort of, you know, why do, why do we want to do this? Why should we do this? I mean, it, it brings it right back to the simplicity. You know, there's, there's drivers in basic drivers in all of us, isn't there, to either do what we need to do to avoid pain or do what we need to do to attract pleasure. And I think it's fair to say that the vast, vast, vast majority of us, and it's been scientifically proven, will do whatever we need to do to avoid pain and suffering. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think all these tools, um, it's, it's a question of finding out what's right for us, isn't it? And what's, you know, what do we resonate strongly with, uh, more strongly with? And, you know, what serves us, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah, completely. And I think that totally, again, comes back to, you know, self-love and you are not your label, right? If mm. you don't believe you're worth anything, you're not going to adopt these practices because what's the point? Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't deserve love anyway. So what's the point in me trying to love myself? Cause I don't deserve it. So it's all this self perpetuating vicious circle, if you like, and you've got to break that circle and that takes bravery. And mm. I often talk about, you know, this kind of three step process of, you know, awareness, bravery and choice. You know, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the kind cheerleader? I call it the inner cheerleader, if you like. Or are you going to choose the critic? Because subconsciously or otherwise, that's what you're choosing. You're making a choice. Even if you make no choice, you're making a choice not to choose. Yeah. So you're always making a choice. And I think you have to just start becoming aware of what is going on with you and whether you enjoy that or not. And if you don't enjoy it, it's down to you to change it. And change people don't like. Mm. You know, this is why often you see these coaches and all these people, they don't talk about change. They talk about transformation because it sounds exciting, but it's the same frigging difference. It's just a different, different way of saying it that, that's more palatable to people. But, you know, I'm quite straight talking and I think actually it's down, it's our responsibility to be the best person that we can be, not for other people, for ourselves. I had, you know, I would have said that I had a really incredible life before I had my breakdown, but actually I was so unaware of how miserable I was. Mm. I was so miserable and I was just going through the motions and constantly I used to think there has to be more to life than this. That I used to think that hundreds of times a day. I used to think I can't just be getting up, going to work, you know, trying to find a husband and then I die. Like, really, that cannot be it. And now I know that that isn't it <laughs> at all. Mm. I was just running a program and I was, you know, essentially doing what I was told. And I don't have to do that anymore. I can, I can be anything I want to be mm. and I can be happy and I can choose that. The, uh, I was just listening to your um, awareness, bravery, choice approach there, Rachel. Um, I had a little mm -hmm. smile to myself because when we go back to the very, very, very first podcast, uh, Mastering the Game of Life podcast, which was, oh, blimey, um, just under two years ago, it was actually called 
Mastering the game of life is as simple as A, B, C. And my A was the same as your A, awareness. That's the starting point. Yeah. My B was beliefs and my C was creativity. To think about yeah. things a bit differently because obviously, as the old cliche goes, if you keep thinking about them same way, you'll get the same results. So, yeah. you know, um, certainly within my own coaching and mentoring practice, I use a lot of metaphoric language, which is based on obviously a creative approach. So, yeah, I just had a little sort of smile there when you uh when you said awareness bravery and choice so yeah uh, yeah a very very similar very very similar things and i think when you can create these um toolkits for people you know i think that's really important is that you can simplify these toolkits for people so that everyone can understand very clearly what they need to do in order to in order to be happier basically i mean that's the one thing with wealth and well-being i just want to alleviate suffering mm -hmm. people are suffering day in day out and half the people are aware that they're suffering and half the people aren't even you know like i was completely oblivious that i was suffering but mm -hmm. looking back hindsight's obviously a great um tool isn't it <laughs> but looking back with hindsight i'm like i was just really miserable i hated myself i you know was trying to do this job that really wasn't su suited to me necessarily for what i you know it didn't really sit with my core values of what i want to bring into the world and you know i was hanging out with people who to be honest weren't particularly nourishing people to hang out with i didn't it was just, yeah, the whole thing, my whole life was a mess, really. And it was just because I was running all these programs. Mm. And when you change your programming, it's the same as a computer, you know, you change the program, you get an upgrade. It's great. Yeah, And absolutely. it's simple to do. Yeah. And, you, you know, I know, obviously, you can pay for a lot of this stuff, right? Like, both of us will have you know, programs and classes and one-to-one -one sessions and all this stuff that we can do to support people. I imagine, as I do, you also have a number of, like, free resources and things that people can do. But I didn't have money to pay for a lot of this stuff, right? I paid for some therapy. Um, and, you know, I've been very lucky to get some through the NHS and various other things like long waiting lists and all that. But it's worth getting on those lists if, if you need that support. It is out there. You might have to wait for it. Mm. But a lot of this stuff that I've done, I've done for free. Yeah. It's just about determination and bravery and choosing, making different choices for yourself, you know, choosing to get out of bed and i know if you're listening to this and you're literally in bed with depression i know how hard this is to gonna be to hear because i would have punched somebody like me in the face if i could have gathered the um energy when i was fully depressed because i wouldn't have been able to fathom that it was possible but you can choose to get out of bed and you can choose to change your thought patterns and you can choose to get better and that isn't as simple as I'm laying in bed fully depressed and I can't move and my mum's coming to help me brush my teeth in bed, which is what used to happen to me. You know, it, you can't go from that to, I'll just choose to be happy today. I'm going to get out of bed. I t I'm well aware that that's not, um, not possible, right? It's a process. But your choice that day might be, 
I'm going to sit up in bed. And then your choice the next day might be, I'm going to go downstairs, you know, before 4 p.m. and I'm going to sit on my couch. And then your your next step might be, you know, I'm going to start to just be a bit kinder to myself in my head. I'm going to just start to to say that I'm going to work towards liking myself a little bit more. Yeah. And then the next step might be, you know, like I'm, what, 2014, so I'm nearly six years into my journey with all this stuff. So I didn't just wake up one day, get brave and choose to be happy. Like it, it didn't happen like that. This has been a daily practice for me for six years. Mm. But I very rarely get the symptoms of PTSD, anxiety and depression anymore. It's rare. It happens occasionally, you know. A few weeks ago, I had a, a panic attack, but that's the first time I've had a panic attack in, I don't know, a, 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 I, I can't even remember when the last one was. So that's, you know, that's how long ago it was. Whereas I used to have those multiple times a week. You know, do I still get anxious occasionally? Of course, I run my own business. There's a pandemic happening. <laughs> Everybody's anxious at the moment, right? But I use my tools and I allow myself to to sit with that and I, I calm myself down. And, and then I, same as you, right? Move away from that anxiety, move away from that fear and choose again and move into a space, a more loving space. How can I be more loving towards myself is a, a constant sentence that I come back to when I'm anxious or in fear. What's the most loving thing I can do right now in this moment to support myself? So on, you know, on that uh, on that very, very positive, warm, loving note, Rachel, how can people find out? What's your contact details? Find if people want to find out more about you and uh, and what you do. You've mentioned uh, Welford Wellbeing a few times. So, uh, what's the contact details? So um, you can find me on my website, which is www.welfordwellbeing.com, and Welford is spelt W E L f o r d so it's just one l so welfordwellbeing.com um i'm pretty active over on instagram at welfordwellbeing i have my facebook page and also a private facebook group which is kind of like a bit of a support group um called clear community there's about 300 of us i think in that group now and i also have my own podcast called things i wish i'd known where we just it's a bit like a love letter to your younger self if you like um of all the things i wish i'd known before i had my breakdown so um if you want to find that you can just search tiwik t-i-w-i-k on all your favorite podcast platforms or youtube um and you'll be able to find that as well super rachel i want to thank you i want you to thank you for your time and uh, more importantly the you know the uh the vulnerability i will use that word the vulnerability of you know your shares and, and sharing your emotion and, and everything that you've been through and i know that this will resonate uh, you know so deeply with with listeners because uh, you know we talk about this pandemic that's currently upon us called coronavirus well i would offer that um, you know there's uh, there's an emotional well-being challenge that's been going on for not recently for but you know almost since man and woman uh, first trod the earth but um, anyway that's another time another place so sincere gratitude to Rachel to you for for taking part and sharing thank you very much indeed thank you so much for having me it's been my absolute pleasure so there we have it listeners all that remains now is for me to sign off by saying remember mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts 
Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 